0: look, I, I I give my testimony, you know, I didn't get medical school to my third try. So I know, you know, the the sleepless nights I had and bust my butt for the MCAT, the, the extra money I had to pay for Kaplan. I've been there, um, you know, and like I said, my dad never pressured me into medicine. But once I made that, you know, decision, I'm sure he was very proud. And, uh, you know, one of my regrets is that he didn't live long enough to see me become president of his alma mater. Oh. And, you know, and I used to tell kids when they interviewed him, Harry, look, I didn't even get an interview with Harry. Here I am. Dale, you know, even at my level, uh, you know, as president of a billion dollar enterprise here uh, in New York City, I still walk into rooms and like I'm the only black physician in the whole room in 2022, you know, It's 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 sobering. It's frustrating, but it's reality. And you're right. They they test me the same way um, at my level that as when I was, you know, uh, a resident in terms of, well, hey, does Riley really knows? Does he really know what he's talking about? But did they did they test you that same way at Meharry? Well, yes and no. It was different, (laughs) a little different in, in, in our environment. They tested me. Look, my students were tough, and they. I and I told them be tough and opinionated, but you got to know your stuff. And and they know all my Meharry students. I still get calls from Meharry students, you know, weekly, and and they're still in contact because I believe deeply in them. And and I told them, look, you. I want to put you, uh, you know, man to man, woman to woman, against Vanderbilt, against Duke. You guys got to be tight. You got to know your stuff. You can't be half ass. Oh, they know. And and but and and I believed in them. And, and you know, they doc, I need to see it. come see me, come see me at four o'clock. And they come see me and I said, look, you want to do surgery, you gotta do XYZ, you need to go do some research, you need to go to NIH. So I was very hands-on with my students, which um which which I love and because look, I I, I give my testimony, <laughs> you know, I didn't get medical school to my third try. So I know you know, the, the sleepless nights I had and bust my butt for the MCAT, and the, the extra money I had to pay for Kaplan. I've been there. Um, you know, the, the beauty I had is I had a very supportive support system and my dad, my, my, my family and, and my, my, uh, my siblings They you know, they said, Hey, we're behind you, go do it. Um, you know, and like I said, my dad never pressured me into medicine, but once I made that you know decision, I'm sure he was very proud. And, and uh, you know, one of my regrets is that he didn't live long enough to see me become president of his alma mater. Oh, <laughs> and you know, and I used to tell the kids when they interviewed him, Harry, look, I didn't even get him uh, interviewed, Harry. Here I am, the <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, that's,
1: that's yeah. I, one thing I remember in in my time as a honorary Mahari student, I guess. Honorary Mahari, yeah. One thing I remember that you said to the to the class was, it was like one of the last days of school. I remember you said. Um, your MD degree is the same value as any other institution's MD degree.
0: Exactly, exactly. Because you know, it, it it took me a while to understand this, but there was a perception in some parts of medical world that oh, Meharry students and Howard students aren't as aren't as well educated, you know, as the students from Missouri or you know, and so. Some of that, I could tell some of the students were feeling that, particularly the students who had been only in black environments the whole life. They went to black elementary school, black high school, HBCU, then they go to Meharry. Those were the students I really worked with because I said, look, you got to click your heels three times. This is not the real world. (laughs) And you got to learn to to go out there and deal with colleagues who don't look like you. Um, and, you know, I did not want them having that. Oh, I just oh, I'm just from Harry. No, damn it. You are from Harry. Don't put the just in front of it. You know, no, you are from Morehouse School of Medicine. No, you are from Charles R. Drew. No, you are from Howard University College of Medicine. So it was it was it was an infusion of of of, of pride and confidence. I wanted them. And you're right. I remember saying it. Your MD degree means the same in the marketplace. They can't pay you in residency any different than the guy that went to Harvard. And guess what? You're gonna be on call with the guy or gal who went to Harvard. And so you you got to be ready.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about what you're saying right now. So you have some individuals who might come out of Meharry and saying, "I just went to Meharry. I just went to Morehouse." Whereas, honestly, in the African-American community, for, for listeners who don't know, in the Black community, Meharry, that, these, this is like Harvard, you know? Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's it's where people want to go, right? If you go talk, so like my wife ended up at Meharry, the way she ended up there. So my father-in-law, he went to Tuskegee, mm-hmm. you know, he's, um, you know, he's very deep into, into his culture and his, his ancestry. So he had um, a cousin who went to Meharry and he had my, my daughter, not my daughter, his daughter, my wife talked to mm-hmm. the cousin and he he was one pushing pushing meharry he was like and my father-in-law doesn't know much about medicine but what he knew about medicine was hey you should want to go to meharry right and right and for us it was like when janet went to meharry it was like hey she got into harvard you know mm-hmm. so right
0: african-american right. American. well that's why i wanted to go to meharry i had been raised by meharry and so yeah. uh, you know it, like i said if i if i could write my life zone script i'd have gone to meharry but hey god knew what he was doing I went to Morehouse and you know I met my wife there, who's a physician. Uh, I met her the first year, and she's a great physician in her own right, as people know. She's, um, a, she's the
1: best physician in your house. Hands best physician in my whole,
0: just like your household, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Matter of yeah. fact, all the kid, all my kids go to her to mom instead of me for medical issues, right? Oh, <laughs> <in> my household. <laughs>
1: Same, same here. When the neighbors ask questions, I say, let me let me get Janae involved in this conversation. Let, let,
0: yeah, let me get the other doctor in the house to answer that one. Yeah. So, no, you know, but you're right. It, but I'm glad you remember that talk because I wanted Meharians to be confident when they left Meharry because I knew what they were going to face in terms of that enhanced scrutiny. You know, that comes with with being a black professional ultimately, but as a black resident, who went to a black medical school. I had seen that movie before when I got to Baylor. So you,
1: you go to Baylor and, and I know you get your MBA from Rice, but what then led you down this leadership pathway into, you know, how do you end up becoming president of multiple? Yeah.
0: Well, look, I, I, one of my, you know, one of my life's goals was, was to be in leadership and in, in American College of Physicians. Um, and this is the way it started. And this is another thing about mentorship. I, uh, uh, like I said, I, I went to Baylor. Uh, the program director there is a legendary program director, Dr. Ed Lynch, um, who loved Meharry students. You know, he had always taken Meharry students uh, in, into the residency program at um, at Baylor, and and of course, I was his first Morehouse uh, recruit. So uh, Dr. Lynch was a wonderful mentor, and so I think it was like halfway through my first year. Well, he called me in the first times. Well, your in service score wasn't so good, Riley. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, Dr. Lynch, but I was on an ER that month. I was tired. He said, okay, we'll just do better next year. What are you reading? You reading Harrison's? Yes, sir, I'm reading Harrison's. So, you know, it was that kind of talk. Okay, well, I expect you to do better next year. Yes, Dr. Lynch, I'll do n- better next year. So he called me back in one day, said, hey, look, um, you know, we've been observing you. You have great leadership uh, skills. Um, I'd like to sponsor you to be on on the um, the national it was called the associates council for the ACP. And I said, wow, uh, wow. I'd be honored Dr. Lynch. He, so he wrote a letter sponsored me. Next thing I get elected to the national uh, associates council uh, uh, for medical students uh, at the ACP. Um, and that was, I was hooked on, on, on the American college of surgeons. And, you know, I chose internal medicine because I liked the intellectual rigor. I liked the patient contact. I liked, you know, having a patient walk in and putting a puzzle together and ordering the test and, and and then referring on for surgery if they needed. So I just loved internal medicine, very intellectually satisfying, as you know. And then, you know, so it started there. Um, and then, you know, I was on the National Residence Council and I, you know, towards three years in, I was about to, I was starting to look for jobs, um, And I got a call from the chairman, Dr. Gatto, the chairman of the Department of Medicine. Said uh, uh, His secretary called and said, hey, Dr. Gatto wants to see me. So, oh, God, what do I do now? (laughs) And, you know, Dr. Wayne, come on in. What are your plans when you finish residency? Well, Dr. Gatto, I think I'm going in private practice. He kind of leaned back in his chair. He said, well, some of us have been talking. We think you need to stay on the faculty with us. Hmm. And. That's the kind of conversation that could change your life, Dale, um, because here, you know, one of the gods of internal medicine, Dr. Gatto is one of the world's experts on cholesterol and HMG-CoA reductase inhibitors, which we prescribe for cholesterol. And here he was, my chairman, calling me and said, hey, we think you should stay on the faculty. We think you're a great teacher. Your evaluations from the medical students as a senior residents have been great. You have a great personality. You've got great leadership presence. We want you to stay on the faculty. That's how I ended up staying on the faculty at Baylor, and then ultimately, you know, rising to become vice president, vice dean. Um, and you know, I, I tell medical—I didn't script this stuff. All I want to do was get in medical school, get out of medical school, and then get out of residency and be a good doctor. And then the rest of this stuff happened. So you asked me how this all happened. I become a general, general uh, a junior faculty member at Baylor, and they put me on this committee. I was on admissions committee. Uh, I was on the quality committee at the hospital. And again, another dean calls me one day, hey, uh, Wayne, come talk to me. Um, sure, dean, what, what do you need? He said, um, how'd you like to come work for me in dean's office part-time? I said, well, what do you want me to do? He said, we, we're having a double of a time with curriculum reform, and we need a good young doctor like yourself who can come in and work with the basic scientists and explain to them that you can't have you know, 15 lectures on battling mitochondria in the biochemistry course. (laughs) So I said, okay, I'll do it. So I did it for a year. And then he called me, well, you did such i I'm appointing you assistant dean of medical education. And next thing you know, I'm associate dean. Next thing you know, I'm vice president, vice dean. Next thing you know, I get a call from a headhunter looking for president of
1: so there's a there's an underlying theme of your life here it essentially it sounds like whatever this is what you've done this is what it sounds like i i imagine you, your recommendation to others would be whatever you do give it your best and if, if you're doing that you'll get called up So right. you didn't go well, you didn't it, go asking for these positions You no, were called up
0: no no it's no it's 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 you know the only thing i think i did intentionally was to go back and get an MBA, because by then I was already assistant dean, I kind of liked administrative work in in health centers, and in medical schools. And I said, yeah, I could see a future. Guess what? And it reminded me, Dale, of the work I used to do in City Hall. It was people, it was budgets, it was strategy. You know, it was marketing, all, you know, putting together programs to help people. Remember, I did that in the mayor's office, getting people jobs. And then, as as a in, in in medical school, you know, putting together programs to get more black students into Baylor, getting uh, higher quality patient care, um, so it it harkened back to my government work because it was people and processes, right? And when you're in, in academic medicine, really, it's people and processes. Yeah. It's hiring good people. It's putting in the process. It's managing the budget. It's it's articulating a vision. So the MBA thing I did as a prep, as I put myself in a position to do beyond being an assistant dean. I didn't know it would lead to being a president of Meharry or president Downstate or president ACP, but it was one of those things, my definition of luck is the intersection of, of preparation and opportunity. Mm-hmm. And this is why I tell black folks, look, we gotta be prepared, mm-hmm. you know, we gotta be prepared you gotta be ready for the opportunity when it crosses, it crosses your lens.
1: Right, let me let me ask you, and I'm I'm being mindful of your time here, so I'm going to ask you a couple more questions, and we'll have some, sure. some fun questions. So, as president of these institutions, you have got a family, you have got a wife who's a physician. Mm-hmm. What is that family life like? Your your quote unquote work life <laughs> balance, if that, if that's yeah. a real thing. What is that family life
0: like? Yeah, well, you know, my wife and I, like I said, we met when she was a she was a junior medical student at. The, at uh, Morehouse. Now remember, she went right from college to medical school, but I went from, um, I went to mayor's office to the graduate school at Tulane, then to medical school. So I was younger than her as a medical student, but older in age, Uh, but she was more advanced. So, you know, we 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 she had she graduated had to go off to she came up to New York for training so we dated long distance um, many medical couples have that phenomenon where one of the diet goes to another city for training and one you know stays to for their training et cetera so we went through that as well um, and then we got married right literally before I graduated and right a month before she finished residency and then we moved to Texas and you know one of the things when you're you're married to someone you respect and love and who you understand is a professional in their own right. Um, you have to throw out the models of how you thought your, your marriage should be. Um, and, uh, and, and case in point, my wife and I used to give the talk on medical marriages and, you know, the first thing we always tell people do not let your family's expectations about your marriage interfere with your marriage. Because, you know, my dear mother, who I love to death, still alive, but my mother was a homemaker, right, for five kids and a physician. Mm-hmm. She was like, my gosh, you guys eat out so much. <laughs> my, my kids are, my grandkids are going to be, you know, but no, that's our normal. So in other words, don't let other people define what's normal for your, your marriage as physicians. Um, and I know you, you and Janae have done the same thing. I was gonna say that sounds like that. Yeah.
1: That sounds like our life a little bit right now. We're just doing so much that I'm like, man, we're eating that more than we should be. Yeah,
0: well, but hey, but you know, I'm not the type of guy who would expect a physician wife to have my food on the table every night. That's yeah. that's unfair of me, it, you know. Be disrespectful of Charlene as as a physician and with a busy career herself. Well. So you you define the new normal uh, in, in 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 your relationship with your wife and who's a physician, and 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 so that's and it's not just you know, if your spouse's or partner is a physician, if they are professionals, you know, if Charlene were a lawyer, I'd have to respect that she's a lawyer. Or if your partner is an architect, architects work long hours and have big projects and deadlines. And so you have to have enough ego strength to not, you know, uh, understand that, you know, you can have a loving, you know, wonderful relationship with someone else but that someone else also has to be fulfilled and actualized in their own right. Exactly. Um, you know, and long gone are the days where you can just expect a, a spouse or partner to drop everything, you know, for your career, there has to be trade-offs and accommodations. Um, you know, it, we went through the young kid phase too, and, and, you know, we, we were kind of proud that we never had a nanny. <laughs> We were, we we did the daycare thing and got fined not picking up the kid. I remember one famous story we used to tell. I missed picking up my daughter. <laughs> my wife called Whoa. me at like 6 30. Did you get did you get Aaron? I said, No, i thought Aaron. You're you and, and at that point, you know, the daycare's calling me and you know they find you in a hundred dollars an hour, of course. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we still laugh about that. So what where in your training where were you when you had your first your first child?
0: Uh, let's see. Our first child was born. Uh, I'd already finished residency. So, uh, yeah, the, when we were at Baylor, uh, we had both our kids in Houston.
1: OK, I was gonna, yeah. I was, I was going to ask how you did it, because we had a nanny for two years because Janae. So right after we left from Harry, uh, you yeah. know, uh, Janae got pregnant soon after, right after we left from Harry. Right. <laughs> right look,
0: Mahary. Nannies are a wonderful thing. And look, that's what said oh, we said. Yeah. We, we, we mistakenly prided ourselves in not having a nanny. We finally got a nanny. And my gosh, Charlene, I looked at you the other one day. What the <laughs> hell were we thinking? <laughs> <laughs> we were like, how did we how did we not get this? This is wonderful.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, can, we we probably literally couldn't have done it. We had to have because, you know, some days I'm working days and he's working nights and someone's yeah. going to be with the kids, you know? I know. So
0: we were like, what dumb knuckleheads were we trying to just, you know, on pride say, oh, we don't have a nanny and, you know, damn near killed us. <laughs> and then we got one it was like oh my gosh what the hell did we miss and so if you know for our second child we had it was just wonderful having a nanny and you know but these are the things you do as professionals and this is what i tell young professionals particularly two physician diets get help you know with you know get a once a week housekeeper um you know because at the end of the day you've been in surgery all day you've been in a case all day you've seen 25 patients you don't want to come home mop the floor i mean if you make enough money you know, provide that, that's that service to your, your partner's spouse. So no one's stressed out about the fact that the floor is dirty. Right. Um, you know, have the once a week housekeeper, get the nanny, you know, get somebody to pick your kids up from school that you trust. Um, yeah, that's the way you manage your professional life. Yeah.
1: This stuff needs to be, we should have had a whole session on that. That stuff needs to be like, (laughs) <laughs> taught during medical school because it took me a while to, because you grew up in this you grew up in this mindset like like you got you got a nanny you you got a housekeeper or you bougie you know bougie because yeah right
0: because right no but this is basic life
1: <laughs> yeah and now i have it you know then we had a nanny now we have somebody who comes to help you know she comes every other yeah. week to clean the house and such at yeah. first i was like hey, why can't we clean our own house like or why can't the kids do it yeah but, yeah but,
0: you're just too tired to yeah. do that uh you're just too tired so uh, but no, that's 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 the other part of this is is to to get the help to make sure that yeah. you can you can live a good existence. So, uh, so I know we're running to the end of our time, Dale, but I'd love to be back with you.
1: Yeah, definitely. Let me ask you um, a couple of fun questions and I'll sure. let you go. Um, okay. Here's one fun question right here. Maybe one fun question. If you were an artist of any type, it could be a musician. It could be, mm-hmm. an, you know, even an athlete's type of art. It could be a painter. Who would you be and why, or who who oh, most that, who do you that, most resonate that, with and why?
0: That, that's an easy one. I'm a jazz lover, so Duke Ellington. I think Duke Ellington was a genius uh, in many ways. Howard graduate, uh, alpha brother of mine. Uh, you know, in terms of what he contributed, the genius of Duke Ellington and his musical talent. Uh, uh, you know, I I don't have a musical bone in my body, but uh, Duke Ellington is uh, somebody. You know, if I could if I come back reincarnated, come back as, as uh, Duke Ellington would be great.
1: Duke Ellington. Nice. Nice. And last question I will ask you, then I'll give you the final word. So the last question I'll ask you is, uh, if it were not medicine, what would you be doing?
0: Oh, it clearly be law. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> no. And I toyed with going back to law school at one point, because you know, there are MDJDs out there. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, my wife said, no, no, Wayne, four earned degrees is enough. <laughs> yeah. MD, <laughs> MBA, four, four, MBA. Yeah, four, yeah. Yeah. Four earned. I got three honorary degrees too. So she said, Wayne, that's enough. <laughs> um, but I, I do have a, I do have a, a, a commitment with her. If I were to win the Powerball and it's like North of 300 million, she said, then you can go to law school. <laughs> <laughs> I, th-
1: I think, I think that'll cover it and take care of take it. Back. So, so I want to give you, I want to say, thank you, um, for being on mm-hmm. the show and, you know, for uh, mentoring me during the session or counseling to giving me wisdom during the session, as well as the listeners. Um, I want to give you the last word and I, w- I either say whatever you want, whatever bit of advice right. you would give, but I would love for it to end with my name is Dr. Wayne J. Riley and I'm a black man in a white coat.
0: Excellent. Well, look, um, you know, I love being a physician. It is, it is this, it's the second highest calling a human can have is to minister to the body. And the highest calling, of course, those uh, who were called to the ministry and to uh, pastoring, uh, you know, ministering to the soul. But this is the second highest calling. And, and uh, Dan Foster at Southwestern, the, the legendary chair of medicine, used to call it the priestly function of being a physician. So I take that very seriously. I also tell students, look, MD behind your names and your, your wife will remember. I used to say, is that Mary? The MD that one day you will earn to put behind your name means more than medical doctor. It means make a difference. And, um, you know, I love being a doctor, you know, and and we should approach being a doctor as a high honor privilege and do it with pride, conviction, excellence, and commitment. And, uh, and so uh, I'm Dr. Wayne Riley, and I'm a black doctor in a white coat.
1: Yeah. It's all about progression, life is like a blessing Everything a win, loss is like a lesson Ooh, ooh, yeah Ain't no time for stressing, I've been really stepping Ooh, ooh, yeah If you wanna go get it, stop playing around Really got on racks, ain't playing around Wanna go get it, stop playing around Really got on racks, ain't playing around Black man, white coat, shit, we up right now, yeah